Welcome to the Farm Commons Podcast, where we make farm law accessible and actionable for sustainable farmers and ranchers, as well as their networks of support. I'm Eva. And I'm Kate. In each episode, we explore real legal issues faced on farms every day, providing key knowledge and tangible solutions to help you grow a thriving agricultural business. From managing liability to navigating tough conversations with landlords and neighbors, we've got your back. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Farm Commons podcast. I am here with Rachel today. Hi, Rachel. Hey, Kate. How's it going? Today, we are going to talk about the special joy that is processing payroll on farm and ranch businesses. What is payroll? Why can it be so complicated? And what can agricultural employers do to make their lives easier? And as an employee, I have a general understanding of what payroll is in that every other week, I'll get an email that says it's payday, and I feel happy. But other than that, I'm pretty blissfully unaware of the intricacies of payroll and what goes into it. So uh, I know that some people listening may want to hire but aren't sure what paperwork is involved. And I'm really excited to have um, you here today, Rachel, because you are both an attorney who has that understanding of the, the process of payroll, and you have been an employer for over 10 years now. So can you break it down for us? What is payroll? Ah, good question. Good question. And payroll can be a fun subject because, you know, getting money. Um, But it can also be frustrating because paying money and figuring out how to do it right. Uh, Running payroll is is this phrase that we use that just means how how are we paying people. Um, Balled up in that, in paying people, is, of course, reporting to government agencies information that is required as a part of the process of paying people. And then, you know, we have to keep the right records and documentation that shows that we paid people accordingly and we submitted our taxes and we did all the good stuff that comes with paying folks their money. One of the first things to know is that we have to register with the state uh, to, to make sure that, that we are prepared um, to, to run payroll and get all of our, all of our ducks in a row. Um, you know, we do that up front. We register with the state. And then each time we pay people, we have more processes and, and, and paperwork that we submit to make sure we're doing things right. So that's the big picture on, on, you know, what does it mean to run payroll? What, is this, what does this look like for anyone who is, is new to that gig? Okay. Yeah. Processes, paperwork, uh, definitely not my personal strengths. You know, I'm hearing that this seems like an intensely detail-oriented process with a lot of bureaucracy. Um, how was running payroll for you when you first started? It is very detail-oriented. That's a great way of describing it. And I, I feel some relief when you describe it that way because I, I recognize that I am not a detail-oriented person. Um, but, you know, 10 years ago when I first started Farm Commons and and had to hire myself and others, I started out thinking, oh, geez, how hard can it be? You know, give people a check. Uh, as long as, I'm, as money's in the bank account, how hard could this really be? Um, and I thought, well, I'm an attorney and I teach people how to how to do paperwork. So surely I've got this covered. Well, <laughs> you can see a story is building here. Um, in the in their early, you know, 
the initial phases of paying people, it's it's relatively straightforward. You're going to calculate their gross pay by um, taking uh, their hourly wage and multiplying it by the number of hours worked. So that's that's pretty easy. But then you have to take from that and deduct the employee's share of their taxes. So to do that, you've got to look at some some tables that will help you understand, you know, what is the tax rate that you want to apply and then do the math to determine what you take out of their paycheck. Then you also have to determine the taxes that the employer is going to pay from the employer's own bank account. Similar, what's the rate? You look at the table, apply it to the um, to the gross wages, and then you have to send in the money. You know, and then this, this day and age, you don't actually cut a check, you have to, you know, link your bank accounts and open up some online, um, you know, portals and things like that in order to get the money where it needs to go. So the process can be a little fiddly and, um, and annoying. Um, and in my case, uh, I, I did manage to get through the math okay. I managed to figure out all the, the rates for the thises and the thats. Um, but what happened to me is... I didn't get the forms quite right. I I was preparing all the right all the right um, amounts, and I was getting it to the people who needed to get it, but I didn't submit the right forms with the money. So you know, funny thing is, the IRS kept sending me these letters that says, "Hey, you didn't submit this form," and I kept opening my mail and being like, "I gave you your money, you know. I mean, I don't have it. You you took my money, so you must be fine, right?" So I, you know, newbie mistake, I sort of ignored these, e- these letters from the IRS until they sent me the bill and I got this <laughs> fine that was a thousand dollars or more. No, and I no. thought, oh my God, okay, I, I really, um, I made a mistake. Um, okay, wh- what is this form? And that's when I decided that uh, detail-oriented jobs like this, just not my strong suit. Maybe I shouldn't. And what was the, I remember you saying this before, what was the specific thing that you missed? It was like so tiny. Yeah, it, it was just an informational form that went with the money. Um, I went. I it was something weird. Like, and this was ten years ago, so things have things have changed a little. It was like I was supposed to send send in the money through one means, but then contribute the form explaining the money through a different means, and that's what uh, I didn't do. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I I've heard that story, and I like it because it does just. Show all the little places that you can get tripped up in this process. And I just want to, you know, celebrate you for getting that math right, figuring out, um, you know, the tax rates, etc. I think that's a huge win. And yeah, this it does just kind of illustrate how tricky it can be for just one person with a lot of other things on their plate um, to pay people accurately. So this brief overview um, that you gave earlier mentioned that we have to register you have to register employees for each state that they live in and that makes the process sound a lot more complicated for employers who are hiring people who live in multiple states and I'm imagining that farmers and ranchers could run into this uh, especially with college students who are looking for summer jobs so can you give us a little bit more information about what happens when you hire folks from more than one state 
Yeah, yeah, great question. So I, we were talking before about the IRS, and of course, no matter what state you're you're in, you file with the IRS and make sure that you give them their share of the payroll taxes. But then there's the state, and every state also wants some form of information about who you are paying. Um, they may have a, a state um, income tax that you need to send in, or other state payroll taxes. Each state has different rules and different kinds of taxes and different ways to remit those taxes. So uh, it's enough to learn for one state, but then if you hire someone who has a residence in another state, well, then you have to do that process again, figure out what, what taxes apply here and, um, and how, you know, how do I uh, tell them that I've hired this, this person and, and get set up. So it's usually based on where the employee's home address is. So if you live um, on the border of a couple of states, or like you said, you hire folks who are you know, college students and are maintaining their parents' residence as their official address, well, then things definitely can get a little complicated because you, you know, your farm is clearly exactly where it is, but the people that you hire may come from out of state. So those are important, um, important questions. Um, to to ask and make sure when you do hire folks from out of state that you're prepared for a little bit of that uh, that legwork to figure out how do you open up the necessary accounts in that state? What are the tax rates that you're paying? And you usually have to wait a couple of weeks even after you get set up in that state for them to tell you what your tax rates are. And you know if you hired your employee that day and they're already starting to work, they don't want their paycheck delayed. So it can it can get a little a little tricky to get all the timing right to make sure that you're able to give people checks. Mm, yeah, so staying on top of tax rates and staying on top of opening accounts in the necessary states, that's a whole lot. It's a whole lot to stay on top of. And um, want to come in here now with a potential solution, which may seem pretty obvious, but uh, we have a bias for payroll services. We love them. They can do a really great job and uh, are definitely worth investing in um, for some people. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I have found a lot of relief personally in using a payroll processor. And I, yeah, I'm really upfront with farmers. I recommend this. <laughs> I think this is a really good, um, this is good, effective money that saves time and saves stress. If you recall that $1,000 fine I paid to the IRS, when I, when I saw that letter and that bill, I thought, oh my goodness, this is, this is like almost a year's worth of payroll processing fees that I am paying in a fine. So of course I did turn right around and find myself a payroll processor who could prevent uh, me from getting into trouble that way again. Um, there's just so much value for the dollar in, in paying a, a payroll processor. Um, as farmers, folks have unique skills in producing products and raising livestock and getting that product to someone who wants to buy it. And it takes a lot of skill to do that and a lot of, you know, particular demands on your time. Staying on top of tax rates, figuring out how to register new employees and open those accounts, uh, often not the skill set of a farmer. I know it's not my skill set. And so when there's a payroll service provider out there that can do it for you for a good price and more effectively than you can, can be a really good deal. So we do we do encourage folks to take a look at, you know, what are the costs and do I have something to gain from look, from working with a payroll processor? Yeah. 
So yeah, speaking of, of good deals, can we talk about the, the costs that are associated with payroll services? Yeah, and that's a great point. Um, these services cost money. Uh, it, how much you're going to pay for a payroll processor does just depend to an extent on where you're at um, and, of course, how many employees that you have. Usually there's a flat rate to get set up with a new payroll processor so that they can look at, you know, um, where you're, are you in compliance right now? Is there anything we need to fix? And then after you get yourself set up and you pay, pay that flat fee, usually there's, you know, a per month or a per paycheck um, processing fee going forward. Uh, Farm Commons has a really good deal right now with what we pay for payroll processing because we signed up with a software company and it's a software provider um, in its in its early days. So we have like that that intro rate. Um, but just for perspective, I run payroll for six people and I pay about $120 per month to to do that. So for me, tremendous value in that $120 a month to run payroll for, for six people. Um, <clears throat> I, I mentioned to how we pay a, a software service and that's sort of the trend in the industry. Back in the day, payroll processors used to be real people who would sit at desks, maybe in a downtown office, and you would go to them and hand them physical paper. Um, but these being modern times, a lot of payroll providers are now online, and they are much more like software than people. They, somebody has programmed in how all of this stuff happens, and there's a customer support agent and uh, who you call if you have problems, but otherwise a lot of this stuff is, is just algorithms and and transactions. So what you're paying for is access to that software that automates all of these processes. That doesn't work for everybody. And certainly in small towns and big cities across America, there are still bookkeepers and accountants that are real people that will run your payroll for a good price and will keep tabs on all of your all of your uh, your taxes and rates and make sure things are working for you. Yeah, and uh, so we use Gusto is as our payroll processor, but I know that they do not serve agricultural businesses. And I was doing a little bit of research. Um, I think you mentioned earlier, Rachel, well, in a different conversation, that Paychex is one processor that does serve agricultural businesses. Do we know of any other ones off the top of your head? That's a great question. And and what you're pointing out is really the first question to ask when someone is shopping for a payroll provider. As an agricultural employer, ask right away, do you serve agricultural businesses? Because agricultural businesses have different forms that they file, different rates, different issues. And our payroll processor, Gusto, they used to handle agricultural businesses. But as so often happens, um, agricultural businesses are are just harder to serve and they found it inefficient over time to continue continue to serve this market so um whether looking large or small ask that question first do you serve agricultural businesses uh, it's also a great idea to reach out and ask other farmers or ranchers in your area um, if they have a payroll provider that they are are happy with um, and what the rates are so that's a good place to start perfect so if Folks listening, if you're trying to decide if you're going to run your own payroll or pay for a service, it might be worth considering how your brain works if you already know that you struggle with recurrent and frequent deadlines, or if you feel wary of fines and making mistakes, then a payroll service could lift a big burden for you. 
On the other hand, uh, if you love deadlines and love details, then running payroll may be for you. I know those people are out there somewhere, although I don't think any are in my life personally. Um, <laughs> right. They're not in our office, but they're, I have heard these people <laughs> exist who find running payroll to be sort of therapeutic. There's a formula. There is a right answer. It's a number. And to some people, that those processes are very comforting. So if that's you and you find those processes to be really comforting, maybe you do want to keep this, this task for yourself and not um, outsource it. So if you do want to run payroll yourself, a couple of things to keep in mind. Um, you're going to make your life easier if you're only hiring employees who reside in a single state. Then you don't have to worry about navigating two or three or four different states' processes and tax forms. Another thing is you'll want to get familiar with the IRS publication Agricultural Employers Tax Guide. It's only federal law, and so you'd still need to learn your state specifics, but it's a template that a lot of states follow, and it's loaded with good and valuable information for all the, the contingencies. Admittedly, it makes for some dry reading, but, um, but if that's the pool um, you're going to jump in, that'll be your, uh, your life vest to, to keep you going. Mm. And while we're on the subject of you know, making, making payroll a little bit easier, uh, I know that Farm Commons in the past explored the possibility of farms collaborating on payroll. Uh, that was before my time, though. Can you remind me what that project was about? Yeah, and uh, thank you for bringing that up. We were exploring the possibility um, of efficiencies that farmers could gain, potentially by working with each other on these administrative burdens. We talked with a lot of farmers. We ran a bunch of focus groups, and we said, you know, where are your pain points in terms of the legal aspects of, of hiring folks? And uh, there was there was a lot of consensus that there were some pain points around keeping time cards, understanding vacation pay, remitting taxes, all of that good stuff. Um, and so we we asked farmers, you know, would there be any uh, collaboration with other farmers that could ease um, ease these pains? So we uh, we explored what that what that would be like in our focus groups, and uh, and many farmers agreed that you know if it was if it were possible to have one central entity that could help administer timesheets and 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 run payroll and and find that that cost effective you know processor that that does understand agricultural businesses that that would be a, a big value add. Now, at the same time, we were also asking much more complex questions like, you know, how do we increase the supply of, of quality, um, quality labor and managerial options um, for farmers? And, you know, other, other big questions um, that got into issues like, well, should, would we form a farmer-run co-op here? Would this be an LLC? Would these be contract services? So, um, so it was a big project, but that was really one point where we had some some consensus. Payroll is a burden, and how can we um, how can we work together? It sounds like that project went even beyond alleviating the the burden of payroll and tackled other burdens like employee retention and stable year-round farm employment, uh, which sounds really intriguing. Do you, do you see that model taking hold in the future? That's a great question. Working collaboratively with other farms and farmers 
on things like marketing products, you know, a lot of that is more familiar to farmers. But working with each other on hiring and providing year-round employment and, you know, sharing laborers across farms and creating, you know, multi-farm managerial opportunities, it's, it's still a little groundbreaking, still a little you know, makes folks a little bit anxious, like, well, but I need to train my people for my farm and I need labor when I need it. So I would say the answer is maybe, maybe these ideas are able to to take root, but we need more conversation. We need to talk more about collaborative solutions to, um, to labor challenges. That's hard. So um, we do have a guide at our website, um, about uh, collaborative solutions for hiring. Um, mm. You know, those are some, if you type those those keywords into the search bar in the resources area of our website, um, you'll get to a guide we have. And um, it's, it's a helpful thought process, at least, and a good communications tool. If you want to bring up these ideas with other farmers, um, if farmers want to bring up these ideas with other farmers in their area, some great conversations can happen. Yeah. And and we can link that uh, guide in the show notes for people who are interested in checking that out and maybe being that entrepreneurial spirit that takes this new model to uh, a new place. So I really, yeah, I appreciate that reminder that there is room for farmers and ranchers to reclaim their power and creativity. You know, at Farm Commons, we're all about creative power. Um, and I love that that can apply even within a system like processing payroll. So thanks for bringing that in. Absolutely. And credit to all of our partners who also helped us with that project um, in the Northeast region of the United States. It was, it, I, I should have mentioned that early. We we didn't do it on our own. We were really dependent on a lot of our other partners to help get farmers together. And you'll see all those credits in the guide if you go check take a look. Awesome. So for listeners who are wondering how to solve your payroll woes, <laughs> that's hard to say, payroll woes. Uh, Just ask your peers how they handle their payroll and research payroll providers like Paychex. And if you are that person who wants to run payroll yourself, um, then just consider limiting the states you hire in and try to get familiar with that IRS publication 51, which is also linked in the show notes. So uh, those are just some tips for for helping you out with with that part of your business. And um, in the next month, we are going to be covering topics like how to get coverage for your injuries as a farmer ranch owner and navigating business partnerships with your life partner. So uh, please tune in. We're happy that you came today and listened and hope you join us next time. So thank you. And thank you, Rachel. Thanks, everyone. We're so glad you joined us for this episode of the Farm Commons podcast. If you are looking for more resources on your burning farm law questions, visit our website at farmcommons.org for a variety of workshops, guides, checklists, tutorials, and more. You can also email your questions and comments to info at farmcommons.org. Stay tuned for our next episode, and until then, keep growing. This work is supported by the Farm and Ranch Stress Assistance Network, FERSAN, grant number 2021-70035-35372, and project accession number 2021-70036.
1027099 from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, National Institute of Food and Agriculture. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this publication are those of the authors and should not be construed to represent any official USDA or U.S. government determination or policy.